0: The all-electric Kia EV6 with up to 528 kilometres of range, and Toolman, the complete tool centre serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day. Don't me,
1: don't
2: me. Yes, how are you, everyone? Welcome to Sports Day WA. Thanks to Hayes and Mardo for the run home. They'll be back again here tomorrow between three and five. Let's bring you up to date uh, with the first of the two semi semi-finals that are being played in India. It is India against New Zealand, and India off to a flyer. No wicket for 59, and we're in the seventh over. No wicket for 59. They're going at 9.32 runs an over. So uh, India have uh, started exceptionally well. New Zealand need to reel them back in. I fancied New Zealand to maybe cause an upset in this match, but uh, the way it started India at this stage set to maybe post a decent uh, 50 over total that New Zealand will have to chase. No record for 59, they are currently, and we'll keep you up to date with that here on Sports Day WA. We're here for the Kia EV6 GT, the World Performance Car of the Year, and Toolmart, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 45 years. Now, the big story for me, by the way, in the Sheffield Shield match, while we're talking cricket, uh, South Australia have been dismissed for 192 on day one of that Shield match being played at the WACA ground against Western Australia, and they're playing for the Rod Marsh Cup, which was unveiled yesterday. Every fixture between WA and South Australia, they'll be playing for the Rodmarsh Cup, which is a nice uh, added feature to... Uh, The state's matches uh, going forward, whether it be at Sheffield Shield Cricket or in uh, One Day Cricket, uh, which is terrific. Of course, Rod Marsh, born and bred in Western Australia, but then took on a job as the head of the Cricket Academy in Adelaide. And then in his latter years, actually lived in the South Australian capital as well. Now, the big story for me, for the good oil for Cobram Estate, Premier Australian extra virgin olive oil, is the AFL fixtures, and as we know, uh, when you look at the 2024 AFL season, it'll start with four fixtures in Queensland and New South Wales the week before the traditional Carlton Richmond meeting in round one. So it's been dubbed opening round by the league, and all four clubs from the northern states will host Victorian rivals for the first premiership points. Of the season. Now, the season will officially start with the Sydney Melbourne clash at the SCG on Thursday, March 7. Then, the Brisbane Lions will host Carlton at the Gabba the following night. Gold Coast will take on Richmond at Carrara Stadium on the Gold Coast. And in Damien Hardwick's first clash with his former club, Richmond. And then GWS will host reigning Premier's Collingwood at the Giants Stadium in Western Sydney later that night. Now, the AFL hopes the set of opening round fixtures will give it a leg up in the northern markets. And when you look at the 2024 NRL season, that draw was released and the competition will kick off on Sunday, March the 3rd, with the first ever match played for Premiership points in the US. It's a doubleheader in Vegas, and it'll be played Australian time on Sunday afternoon, and it features four big clubs. The Newcastle Knights take on the Canberra Raiders, and then we've got, of course, uh, in fact, they take place on Thursday, March the 7th, but the first two matches, which features the Rabbitohs and the Sharks and I think the Storm, will all be played in Vegas. So I'm just wondering whether the AFL has got under the guard of the NRL by starting the AFL season a week earlier and concentrating on Queensland and New South Wales. And I thought I'd get Scotty Sattler. As we know, uh, he's the host of Sports Day uh, uh, Day Queensland uh, there in Brisbane to give us uh, his thoughts on uh, whether the rugby league officials have been caught napping with the AFL infiltrating into their territory in the opening weeks of the AFL slash NRL season. Scotty, thanks for your time.
0: Anytime, Pete. Yeah, I've actually been interested in what the reactions of AFL fans are that there's no games in, in Melbourne and there's a Melbourne storm game actually against the premier's Penrith that first week of the AFL round and no games in Adelaide, no games in Perth. And I've, I would be thinking there'd be quite an uproar, I think, amongst the, the AFL fans. But I may be wrong. But from a rugby league perspective, I like the way the AFL are trying to take on the rugby league. I really do. Um, it's fair to say they probably won't get the the impact in Sydney because um, it's dominated by rugby league, much like the Melbourne Storm are dominated by the AFL in in Melbourne. But um, I've got to say that. The, the NRL will tell you publicly, Pete, that they're not worried about Queensland, which is a heartland of rugby league. But I know for a fact that I've seen a lot of AFL posts going up in place of NRL posts, rugby league posts, over the last probably 12 to 14 months um, in what would be called rugby league heartland, which is west of west of Brisbane up towards Toowoomba. Uh, but in saying that, when we talk about round one, Pete, yes, they have a couple of games: one on the Gold Coast, one in Brisbane. But the NRL have also positioned the last game of that that regular season, that that round one of the NRL, is actually a Queensland derby between the Brisbane team, the Dolphins, up against the North Queensland Cowboys. So, yes, the AFL will come in uh, early on in that, that round of the weekend, but it finishes off with quite a strong rugby league game that has a fair bit to do with the the Queensland public.
2: And what's interesting here, and I'm going really uh, at a complete different tangent here is the AFL are on the front foot. They want more territory in Queensland, which you reckon slowly they are infiltrating into rugby league heartland. Sydney's, and New South Wales is a bit more of a difficult task, but they're doing everything they can and they're grabbing every opportunity. Rugby league is not. This thought of putting the extra 18th licence into Papua New Guinea and not trying to tackle an AFL heartland maybe like Western Australia, because we broadcast here in the West and we know what rugby league could possibly do here on the West Coast, seems to me that the NRL are just blasé. They reckon nothing will change and we'll try and go to Papua New Guinea where already rugby league is a dominant sport up there. I I just can't see the common sense in what the NRL's trying to do here.
0: Well, we know that sport doesn't show a lot of common sense at times, don't we, Pete? But uh, I I can't agree with you anymore. Um, Rugby league like I said, in the Western Corridor. And I've got to be a little bit biased here. I was part of the 17th licence, which was the Brisbane Jets, which was the Western Corridor team. And we saw firsthand how the numbers in rugby league were starting to dwindle, and AFL was always going to uh, increase in participation numbers uh, in those areas. Um, And most notably, the Brisbane Lions have set up their training facility in that area west of Brisbane, about, about 40 minutes, half an hour west of Brisbane, out towards... Um, real blue-collar rugby league supporters in a place called Ipswich. So uh, I tend to agree with you. If they're going to give that 18th licence, I think it should be another team in south-east Queensland or a team in Western Australia. And I think mainly why they're probably not making Western Australia a priority at the moment, publicly anyways, it fits perfectly from a broadcasting perspective for Channel 9, Fox Sports and also Radio, SEM, but uh, outside of that as well, I, I feel that Peter Valandis is a guy that he doesn't want to play second fiddle. And I love what Melbourne Storm have done. They've gone to Victoria and they've gone to Melbourne and they've never once tried to beat their chest and say we are the number one sporting organisation in Victoria. They're happy to be part of the sporting landscape. And I think if the NRL does go to WA, they have to take the same mindset. They have to take the, the mindset of we're happy to be part of the... The Western Australian sporting culture, and let's all sit around the campfire and sing Kumbaya because <laughs> rugby league's not going to win the battle in WA, but they can um, they can definitely get a lot more participation numbers. And um, so, yeah, still a, still a lot more to play out in that scenario.
2: Yeah, I agree. What do you think about the Las Vegas experiment? Uh, starting off the season with a uh, double header there. Uh, in Las Vegas, which is quite incredible to consider that the NRL have gone to that length. Now, what do you think, and what will they get out of it?
0: Well, firstly, Pete, I thought, uh, I don't like it. I'm I'm a bit of a traditionalist, and I, I like, especially that opening round, I like their fans to be able to yeah, converge on one home ground and opposition fans get to infiltrate that home ground and, and see it comes away with the win in the first game of the season. But as I'm getting older, I'm starting to soften a little bit more. i like to see the game of Rugby League under the bright lights and so wherever that may be, under a different spotlight, I'm, I'm all for it. Now, I don't buy into the argument that it'll expand the game into the US. They've got enough games through their summer and winter that, that their population, uh, who are very tribal about... Uh, I don't think they can fit another sport in and it goes against everything they've they've believed in as a, as a sporting um, code al- also. Um, they think we're quite mad actually that we do what we do without padding and headgear and, 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 and the like. so uh, but I've started to soften Pete because I think getting under the bright lights of Vegas, uh, it's going to be great to see it. And the, the effect it's going to have, just aesthetically, to, to see what the production is going to be like, I'm really looking forward to seeing that. It's always good, you know, at times for another, another community to see rugby league at its best. And then also, and like we see with the AFL and the NRL and the A-League and, and everything, it, it's a business and it's all about making money. And whether that is dipping into the, the pond of, of uh, legalised betting uh, whatever that may be, we just know that it plays a heavy role in, in all sponsorship and marketing when it comes to professional sports now. So at the end of the day, it's all about money. And and the Rugby League will most probably re- reap some very, very good financial rewards from this um, from this endeavour.
2: Scott, 20 years ago, you were a player. You played over 100 games for the Penrith Panthers. You must be proud of what they've done, of course, a, a three-peat. Uh, by the way, we saw... Uh, Nathan Cleary over here. He was watching uh, Mary Fowler play when the Matildas were here. Uh, He was a very, very keen spectator. Snapped by by the photographers everywhere he went. Also, you spent a year at the West Tigers. Now, that was about 20 years ago. Do you still feel as confident about the code that you love as you were as a player 20 years ago and the impact it's making on the Australian community?
0: I feel a lot better about the game and the health of the the athletes when they retire, I know that Pete. Um, as a player, and players that played well before me, even like my father who played back in the 60s and 70s, uh, we we see the effects that concussions and um, and repeated head knocks have had on athletes. Uh, and th- what I know now is that the you know the restrictions that they put into the game means that we're going to have a lot healthier players um, psychologically for, uh, when they retire from the game. So I know that I know the game is in a better. A better way uh, in that in that condition, but uh, when it comes to the rules and regulations of rugby league, yeah, it has been sanitised a fair bit with some of the rules, and um, I don't mind that. There's some that I don't agree with, but um, but in saying that, so I just love the exposure the game gets now. It deserves the exposure it gets, as does the AFL. But what I know is a game, and it's a completely different game, and I'm fine with that. And there are some areas of the game that I wish was still around, but I just know deep down that. It's not in the best interest of the health of the player, and we're going to have a lot healthier rugby league players, as we will have a lot healthier AFL players, with the restrictions they've put into both both codes. So that's what I'm that's what I'm glad about, because um, you know, Touchwood, I don't seem to be having any ill effects uh, at the moment. You know, I had I had in total twelve concussions, uh, three of them where I spent large periods of time in hospital um and whether that will affect me in the future i'm not quite sure but what i do know is that the players that are playing today and and past today are going to be a lot healthier when they retire
2: yeah and uh, scott uh, you are the co-host of sports day queensland uh do you still get predominantly rugby league calls or do you get a sprinkling now of afl calls on your program
0: uh, all around, because we go Queensland, New South Wales, and also into New Zealand as well now, Pete. So we get a lot of rugby, All Blacks, especially during the World Cup. We get a lot of New Zealand Warriors who had a fantastic season in 2023. Uh, we get a lot of rugby league tragics, and very people are very passionate. And we get a lot of Swans listeners as well that, um, that like to have their opinion about the Bloods. And we actually, funnily enough, we've got a a lot of Victorian listeners that... That also um, text into the show. And funnily enough, they're all Collingwood fans.
2: <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, good on you, Scott. Uh, it's going to be an intriguing start to the two dominant football codes uh, come next season with the AFL going head to head with the NRL. I know they've always been a bit uncomfortable the afl that the nrl has always had a week or two uh start uh, of a new season and no doubt with this opening round as they're terming it they're trying to combat that so uh, it'll be just interesting to see how it goes it'll also be interesting to see how the las vegas uh, venture goes for the nrl scott thanks for your time mate i appreciate it anytime pete Good on you. Uh, Scott Sattler joining us about that. And as I mentioned, very interesting regarding the fixturing. And we believe that the remaining fixtures of the AFL will drop uh, tomorrow. That's uh, the lead story for mine today. Thanks to Cobram Estate, Australia's most awarded extra virgin olive oil, grown and harvested and first cold-pressed in Northern Victoria. What's coming up? By the way, the cricket, I can update you with that. There was a very confident uh, LBW appeal against uh, Virat Colley, and uh, they took it to the review, but it appears that the ball may have been just going over the top of the stumps. Colley is on four. Gill is on 21. Sharma is out, and uh, India are one for 75 off nine overs. So one for 75 after nine overs. The run rate at one stage was 9.7. It's now come back to 8.33. Coming up on the program today, it's going to be a program with the difference. Now, we're talking about Australian rules football. We're going to be talking to a gentleman who's going to promote the third tier of Australian rules football. The third tier, it's called. And he's released a publication about it. And we're going to be talking to Peter Cullen. The book is called The Power of a Football. Uh, it's going to be very interesting about what, regarding this third tier. What is the third tier? Of Australian rules football. Well, we believe in Melbourne, this is the third tier and it's starting to branch out right around Australia. And Peter Cullen has written a book about it, The Power of a Football. That's coming up a bit later on. And also Peter Bocop, who is the Chief Operating Officer of Venues Live, uh, is going to join us uh, about all the events that are happening around Perth, including here at Optus Stadium, sporting events in uh, the coming uh, couple of weeks or so to make sure that you're aware of what's happening at Optus Stadium, at HBF Park, uh, right around uh, HBF Stadium, uh, maybe at the Athletics Track, and also RAC Arena, just some of the venues that uh, he oversees. That's coming up a bit later on as well. One for 75, India, who are batting first. They've just uh, hit a ball to the boundary for four backward of square leg. That's Gill, who looks very dangerous indeed. He's on 29 of 24. It's coming up 17 past five.
0: The all-electric Kia EV6, with up to 528 kilometres of range. And Toolmark, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day.
2: Yeah, it's great to have you coming here for the Kia EV6 GT, the World Performance Car of the Year. Also, ToolMart, uh, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 45 years. And uh, speedy recovery to Ian Peterson, the general manager of ToolMart, who just had to undergo a procedure. But uh, for more reports, he's back on the mend and will be back in the office before not too long. For Polaris, Australia's number one selling side-by-side brand, let's just update the cricket. And uh, it is India who, at the moment, have got the early ascendancy against New Zealand in the first of the two semifinals. Gill's 34, Coley is 4, and India in the 11th over, a 1 for 88. The run rate currently is 8.38. Southie is the wicket-taker. He's taken 1 for 30, and he's in his 4th over. Uh, this is what Kane Williamson uh, said just prior The New Zealand star batsman, former skipper, this is what he said prior to the game getting underway on the challenge that India does present in this semi-final.
1: We know it's going to be a really tough challenge. Um, They're a side that's been playing extremely well, but um, we also know come finals time, um, everything sort of starts again and um you know it's it's all about the day so for us as a team it's very much the the focus on on our cricket again and um, we've played some good cricket throughout we've had a couple of narrow losses and, and a few wins along the way which have um, put us in this position we were in so um, we, we're excited at the challenge ahead. I think every every game uh, in this tournament um, is a is a tricky one uh, I think if we, as we've seen throughout any team can beat anybody on the day and whether that's um, obviously the quality in both sides but also the changing conditions and how that has an impact so um, yeah I mean for us um, it's great to have got to the final stages and, and then take a fresh approach because it, it does start again um, yeah I mean the underdog thing uh, from from what you guys write I don't think it has changed too much um, but, but that's fine you know and India have been exceptional um, they are one of the, if not the best team um, going around and playing cricket that matches that. Um, but we know as well on our day when we play our best cricket, it certainly gives us the best chance. And come finals time, anything can happen.
2: So there you go. There's Kane Williamson talking just prior to the match against India, the first of the two semifinals. Australia taking on, as we know, South Africa tomorrow night, uh, depending on the weather Uh, with the cyclone developing, a tropical storm developing in the Bay of Bengal, and it's heading towards Kolkata, which is where that semi-final will be staged tomorrow. There is provision for a rest day on Friday, but they reckon that tropical storm at this stage, a bit unpredictable. They reckon it could either go just south of Kolkata, but if it does hit uh, the city, then uh, two days of torrential rain, it appears no cricket will be played. And on uh, that uh, prognosis, if there's not a ball bowled, In South Africa, because they finished higher than Australia, they finished second. Australia third will progress through to the winner of this match between India and uh, New Zealand. The WA side, as I mentioned, dismissed South Australia for 192 in the Shield game in the 74th over. So they did it pretty well. Top score, by the way, went to Nathan McAndrew. He scored 50 not out, coming in at number nine. Joel Paris started the early rot for South Australia. He took three for 32 of 16 overs. Aaron Hardy, who I spoke to on the program last night, also bowled exceptionally well. 8.5 overs, and he took three wickets for 11 Two wickets to Stobo and also two to Lance Morris. Uh, So all the speedsters, all the pace bowlers, getting wickets for WA. And WA in reply at Stumps, they just had to face uh, five overs. Uh, No wicket for 14. None for 14. Cam Bancroft is 8 not out and Sam Whiteman is 5 not out. The batting lineup is Wiley, Cartwright, Hardy, Goodwin, Philippi, Paris, Stobo, Roccacioli, and Morris. So that is the WA lineup. After the break, and by the way, that sports update for Polaris the Polaris plate clearance deals are on now. Save $2,000 on the Ranger, 1,000 EPS, plus get and $1,000 free accessories. One for 89, by the way, uh, India after the 12th over. After the break, we'll speak to a gentleman, Peter Cullen, who has written a very interesting book highlighting supposedly the third tier of Australian rules football. That's coming up next. Welcome back to Sports Day WA with Peter Vlahos. Uh, All thanks to the Kia EV6 GT, The World Performance Car of the Year and Toolmar, the complete tool centre serving WA for over 45 years. I'm going to speak to an author on the program now, uh, a gentleman who's put together a publication entitled The Power of Football, which reportedly is a riveting collection of over 30 personal stories from all walks of life in the 30 years of RecLink footy stories about Recklick's impact on lives. Let's find out more about it as
3: we introduce uh, Peter Cullen to the program. Pete, thanks for your time. Thanks for having me on, uh, Peter. I think there was, I got, uh, I sort of compiled it, and I wrote about five stories, and we had 19 different writers, including um, Martin Flanagan um, from the Melbourne Age who who did one of the stories. So they're a real insight into the social impact of the of the sport, you know, particularly of Australian rules, team-based. And, you know, we have a saying at RecLink that you can do... A football team can do more than win a grand final. It, it can actually save a life. And that's what came through predominantly. We didn't know what had exactly come through, although we did have a bit of an idea from uh, mixing with our players over the years, obviously, that a lot of our players... Uh, have suicidal feelings in what we call third-tier football, reckling football. It's played midweek, male-female. There's no drugs or alcohol in facilities that lie lie idle, you know. And Mm. um, the social impact is is really amazing, actually.
2: So there is some big names that are certainly involved with the publication of the book. uh, The Unsung Heroes. From the early days, I suppose, of grassroots uh, football to what we see is a very big uh, competition now calling the AFL. I know there's been some testimonials from some very high-profile people, including the Reverend Tim Costello, uh, Andrew Gaze, Doug Hawkins, just to name a few, Timmy Watson. Tell us about how they got involved with it and how happy they were to be part of this uh, publication, The Power of Football.
3: To be honest with you, Peter, some of them um, are uh, football callers that what done the most football calls, um, I think, in history. Smoke. Some of them have been involved nearly 30 years. I used to help out on Bulldog Radio and I was fortunate enough to meet different people. Um, what I'm really trying to point out is, the, is your Doug Hawkins, is, uh, your Brendan Gale has been an amazing supporters. Some of them have been with us almost from the start when I met them because it was born off the streets of St Kilda through street outreach. It's not uncommon for our players to be completely recruited off the street, such as in in places like Sunbury, Frankston, um, St Kilda, where the first team was born. And they say very interesting things, uh, Peter, about football and how they describe football, um, which is one of the um, it's, it's a different sports book from that point of view, but I think important for all sports people to understand what a wonderful thing, first, what we have in sport, but in this, our national game is a great gift to this country and to the social impact of the country if we use it smartly. And it's important that we include the unincluded. You know, and asking one man what he got out of playing Australian rules footballer. He said, "What I like is that people call me by name." And he was deeply isolated, lived in a bungalow, hadn't worked for quite a while. And through becoming a captain, through reaching out to others, through taking responsibility, he built, rebuilt many of the qualities that he needed to move forward and to get back into work. We have a complete team. Um, We've had complete teams where every person has a drug addiction and they use it as a tool of recovery. And one of those players, speaking to him, how he described the playing in the team was that it was a clean rush but it was real. A clean rush, but it was real. He also said that after being in hospital with mental health issues, drug and alcohol rehabs repetitively, that he didn't have to go back because he said, Peter, do you know why people restart using drugs? Uh, He said they'd go back to the old friends. But with this footy team, they met on a Friday night. They had AA and NA meetings Um, before training and matches. You can see how it's a different team for different reasons, sport for for, uh, different reasons. They met on a Friday night and they had someone they could phone 24 hours a day if they were struggling with their addiction. So the social, emotional support of each other coming together with this powerful life-giving structure of Australian rules. You know, when we run with the ball... You know, it's like we don't have a problem in the world. We feel so alive. And for people who have had backgrounds of trauma and all sorts of life struggles, uh, a game like this can just mean everything. And and the stories they weave are are really, um, really interesting on so many levels. How do these
2: people get involved? How does RecLink bring these people together? Uh, is it a case of... Because no doubt they'd be searching for an opportunity. How is this opportunity presented to them to come down and take part?
3: That's a good uh, question, Peter, and probably people wonder about that rec link does 75 different sports. We have over 600, uh, 500 sorry, social services who are members of this model. It's a cooperative silo-breaking model. We bring all parts of community together. So if we went to a town to set up a new Australian rules football team in a league, we would go to the local Rotary Club, who often come down and do the barbecue. We would involve local police, local churches. We would involve the social services who become members, and they we try and give a board of opportunity beyond... Australian rules. What we our mission is to impact on physical and mental health of people who may not get the opportunity to play sport at all. And we're also doing sports equipment for disadvantaged communities. I mean, what they call sports share? but that that's in Melbourne. But I hope that's a little bit of a snapshot. Yes. We have network uh, network managers giving people a bit of an idea. Um, but it's a good. And as I said before, we have recruited. We go to unusual places too. That just on that point, to find our players. So we go to drug and alcohol rehabs or bring people out in a bus to be part of a regular team. We, We might go to boarding houses and recruit. We've been involved in court, drug courts, on the street itself, as I mentioned. Places where your regular sporting clubs don't traditionally go to recruit, reaching out, and inviting people and even the power of reaching out and inviting can be really uh, powerful in a, in, a, in a person's life. And just on some of those points, just little stories that probably bring home the meaning of this type of football, what we're calling third tier in Australia. One player said that I get good bruises rather than bad bruises. Another person described the grand final day in which every team plays, they run through a banner, it's broadcast on community radio or these days Facebook. He'd been disconnected from his family. He described the grand final as his Christmas day. Another player put himself in a detox centre to prepare for the grand final. One team didn't win a game for the whole year but won the grand final in their grade on that day and they ran through the streets with their medals on, and some of the players went into a police station and showed the police their medals. They must have had some mm. connection in, in that way. So there's all um, there's endless stories here, Indigenous stories about the Northern Territory. There's stories about leagues in every state of Australia and every uh, team in our Melbourne-based competition There's one key story. So there's a lot to learn about the power of sport and if people really get behind this uh, level of sport, either as a corporate supporter or government, huge value, because in a way, uh, traditionally, I guess, governments, I think it'd be fair to say, have probably spent more money after the event. Jails, prisons, uh, police. I mean, the community do scream out for those things, more police, more police. But there are things we could put in place if we put resources into it. We can reach a lot of people. I believe that very deeply. And uh, I've spent most of my life pushing this cause. The Power of the Football, an uplifting
2: and important book. As I let you go... Pete, uh, and it's been great to have a chat to you. In fact, I've been sitting back listening to some phenomenal tales and stories that you're telling us. How can people get a copy of this publication?
3: Through reclink.org. We raised all the money for the book, so we get almost a full profit, which is going to mean a lot to us to to fundraise for football across Australia, uh, at reclink, yeah reclink.org, or sh- uh, many shops do have it, or if they don't have it, I'm sure they'll order it in. Just ask for the power of a football, Peter Cullen, uh, or you can look it up right now, uh, and you can. Uh, uh, and buy it through, you know, your or But certainly I prefer people to buy it directly off us, uh, dot org. Yeah, I love it, Peter. Good on you, mate. Thanks
2: for joining us here on SENWA. Certainly a very interesting uh, development. The Power of a Football, RecLink doing an amazing job and uh, some of the stories that you told us and giving hope to so many individuals through uh, the Power of a Football has been... Uh, enlightening for me listening back and certainly for our listeners. Thanks for your time here this afternoon. Thanks, Peter. Really appreciate your time. Very interesting indeed there. Peter Cullen reclink.org. Uh, go and have a look. Uh, chats with mates that brought, sponsored that segment. Mate, fair dinkum internet without the fuss and you can score a mobile deal as good as a Sam Kerrworldy with mate. Uh, check it out. Uh, I certainly am. We're going to take a break. Uh, we'll come back uh, with a look at what's happening at all the Venues West stadia around Western Australia. Some big events, some big sporting events coming our way. We'll check in with Peter Bokop on the other side of the break here on Sports Day WA. Sports Day WA with Peter Vlahos. Let's have a look at what's happening uh, around uh, the Venues West sites. But first, here's a quick community update thanks to Code. Be alert and prepared this bushfire season. Stay up to date on all bushfire warnings online with the Department of Fire and Emergency Services. Visit dfes.wa.gov.au and this community update is thanks to the new fire coat, the first paint proven to protect property in high-risk fire conditions and it's available at Bunnings Warehouse. Peter Bocop, uh, he's the... Chief Operating Officer of Venues West, joins us for his monthly segment here on Sports Day WA. Hi, Pete. Hey, Pete. How are you travelling, mate? Good. Have you met uh, Chris Martin as yet from Coldplay? Oh,
4: uh, no. I'll have dinner with him later on. No, <laughs> not, as, not, as, not as yet, Pete. I think um, every second person in Perth would like to be having dinner with Chris, but... Um, I think he's got other plans, unfortunately, at the moment, but if it changes, I'll
2: let you know. Yeah, no, it's going to be an amazing precinct uh, here on the weekend with the two sold-out concerts, and you were telling me off-air the tickets just went like that in a matter of minutes, so it's going to be a huge event, people coming from far and wide to see Coldplay in action here at Optus Stadium. But also they certainly are. Yeah, saying certainly that, we've got some pretty high-profile sport happening as well. Let's kick it off with what's happening at HBF Park, and as we know, we've got uh, the Perth glory in action. It's a big game, this one. They play a couple of away games, and they come home to play Melbourne City on the 8th of December.
4: Yeah, look, what I love. I was there at the last match, Pete, and the brand of football they're playing is really exciting. It was, a, it was an awesome match. They won 2-0 at home last time. and. Last season, it wasn't the best season for them, but their home record was really strong. So I'm hoping we continue that tradition as they go into this season. So look, middle of the table at the moment, but when the home crowd gets behind them and the shed gets going, they can do anything. So let's hope they, um, they, they knock Melbourne off on the 8th of December.
2: Yeah, it'll be a big game. And let's hope they pick up a couple of points while they're away as well and bring that uh, form back home nothing like a rectangular stadium when it comes to football soccer as we know it and of course rugby and there's a big event happening uh, during the month of January in fact the weekend in January when we're talking about the rugby sevens
4: yeah look this is one of these events that I'm, I must say i I cannot believe how lucky we are to get this event I, I didn't think I'd see it in perth it's nearly up there along with the state of origin the AFL grand final Gee. one of the next ones that it's it's so many countries coming from all around the world to participate in the ultimate rugby festival. I mean, I remember growing up when they started in Hong Kong with the Hong Kong Sevens. Mm. It's, it's the best of rugby and the best of Perth all together. So it's going to be history for us. It's going to be the men's and women's Sevens teams basically taking on the rest of the world over three days between the 26th and 28th of January. And look, tickets are flying out the door, so don't wait too long to get yours, Pete.
2: Yeah, no, looking forward to that. Uh, as you said, the Rugby Sevens, as you've rightfully pointed out, is played right around the world and we've got it here in our backyard in January, which is fantastic. Optus Stadium, we know that uh, Coldplay here this weekend, but there's a Test match just around the corner, and the BBL's not far away from commencing as well.
4: No, look, so obviously the Test match with Australia playing Pakistan from the 14th to the 18th of December, followed very closely by the Big Bash starting on Wednesday the 20th, and I just can't wait to see the Scorchers back in action. I mean, what they did last year and that final would have to go down in history as one of the most entertaining events that anyone has ever seen. So, gee, there's a lot to carry on their shoulders this year, but if anyone's going to do it, I think the Scorchers will.
2: Yeah, no, and let's hope they do continue on their winning ways. They are certainly the benchmark when it comes to the BBL competition here in Australia. We've also got... The Wildcats, they're back to form uh, at RAC Arena. They take on the Cairns Taipans tomorrow night. They've won three in a row. They're going for four in a row.
4: Yeah, look, um, I must admit I was a little bit worried at the start of the season and I read a few newspaper articles, but things have certainly turned around. I think they're now sixth on the ladder, so moving certainly in the right direction, Pete.
2: Tell us about the tennis that's coming to RAC Arena. It's not the Hopman Cup, but something pretty similar.
4: I am so excited about this this year. The teams that are playing in Perth, Pete, we've got Spain, Great Britain, China, Poland, Czechoslovakia, the USA, and the big ones, Australia and Serbia, and Novak is on his way. And obviously, you know, arguably the GOAT. I know plenty of people love Federer, but this guy holds the record for Grand Slams all time. He's coming to Perth. You're going to see the best tennis player potentially in history, grace our r a c arena uh, is, as I said not to be missed
2: now uh, he's the greatest of all time, and of course that's coming from a man that uh, used to play a bit of tennis when he's a little bit younger <laughs> and actually went on <laughs> very, the uh, very uh, very went little. on the circuit <laughs> uh, they reckon you're okay don't worry about that, so you'll enjoy the high class tennis at r a c arena, of course, just after and Christmas and, and into the new year, yeah,
4: and it's worth noting a couple of um West Australians are appearing for Australia but Storm Hunter and Matt Eden. They're going to be part of the local team as well. So it always gives an extra push when you've got your your local stars in there batting for Australia.
2: Good stuff. Uh, The Bendad Basketball Centre, that's the home court for the Perth Lynx and they're in action?
4: Yeah, 17th of November and these guys are going great. Sitting second on the ladder at the moment and they're taking on the Bendigo Spirit on the 17th and they've got a range of other games. 25th of November against Townsville, 7th of December against Melbourne and the 13th of December against the Sydney Flames.
2: Fantastic. And finally, before we let you go, as we know, you oversee the WA Athletic Stadium. What's happening when it comes to track and field?
4: Yeah, an incredible event for tomorrow's Olympians. We've got the Australian All Schools Championships and the National Age Championships on between the 8th and 11th of December. Um, And it was interesting, I was at the Waste Awards a couple of nights ago, Peeton, seeing Nina Kennedy... Mm. Uh, stand up there and and receive one of the major awards. And I was just thinking back, you know, five, six years ago, she was out there as one of these wonderful athletes. And, wow, hasn't she gone on to bigger and better things?
2: Yes, and, of course, also Liam Hendricks, who uh, his father, would you believe, uh, Jeff Hendricks, was a fantastic waffle footballer and still holds the record, uh, Liam's uh, dad, as the youngest ever waffle premiership player. He was 16 when West Perth won the premiership in 1975, all those years ago. I tell you what, that family's got some great sporting heritage. Don't worry about that.
4: Well, he, he actually got up and received Liam's award because obviously he's um, over, over in America at the moment. So it was great to see Dad come up and tell a few stories about the... Um, the waffle days, and also what he's done, and it's an amazing story—the ad- adversity that Liam's overcome and what he has achieved—is um, you sit there and you feel like such an underachiever listening oh, to it. Exactly right.
2: And uh, Jeff's a terrific uh, man, and his wife uh, Deb is a lovely lady. And. Let me tell you something, Jeff was an outstanding footballer when he was young. I played junior footy against him and he used to tower over us and he was almost a one-man team, let me tell you. He was a fantastic footballer. But that is a story for another day. Pete, thanks for joining us and uh, we'll do it again next month as we get closer to what when it really hots
4: up with the cricket being the month of December. Oh, Absolutely. I mean, Pete's it's going to be a, a massive summer of sporting events at all the Venues West venues.
2: Good on you, mate. Thanks for joining us again this afternoon. Thanks, Pete. Peter Bocop, uh, the Chief Operating Officer of uh, Venues West. Uh, By the way, for Irigir, Irigir is here to save time and water. Just uh, the Socceroos are in action tomorrow night, and they're confident they can adapt their style of play to break down what is expected to be packed defences. As they start their upcoming World Cup qualification campaign on a high note, Australia kick off their run to the 2026 tournament co-hosted by the United States, Canada and Mexico. They play Bangladesh at Melbourne's Amy Park tomorrow night, then Palestine in Kuwait five days later. And uh, Graham Arnold, in fact, tomorrow night will take the outright record for the most A internationals as Socceroos coach when he steps into the technical area for the 59th time, so congratulations there to Graham Arnold. That update for Irrigear, which offers expert advice and better irrigation solutions to save time and water. Irrigear is here. And speaking of tomorrow night, the Perth Wildcats are in action. They take on the Cairns Taipans. So why don't you join the Red Army this NBL season by becoming a Perth Wildcats member today? That's the program. Hope you've enjoyed it. Thanks to the Kia EV6 GT the World Performance Car of the Year, and Toolmart, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 45 years. I'll see you tomorrow night from 5 right here on SEN WA.